Welcome to Sports Bite, the podcast that serves up a winning combination of sports and food. Get ready to dive into the latest scores and game analysis, all while savoring discussions about your favorite game day snacks and culinary delights. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and together we will explore the delicious intersection of athleticism and gastronomy. So let's kick off this flavorful journey with the interview that I had earlier in the week with the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, Mr. Toby Rowland. All right, welcome back to Sports Bites Podcast. And now uh, for our very first guest, uh, it's an honor for me to have this guy on, a really good friend of mine. He kind of helped me get into the business a long time ago. He's one of the best to do it. He's a play-by-play guy, host of the wildly popular Tiro in the Morning Show out in Oklahoma, the play-by-play voice for the University of Oklahoma football team, baseball team, basketball team, on top of that, a great husband, a great father, and a great friend. I welcome in Toby Rowland. Toby, how you doing, sir? I'm great, Chris. This is uh, what an honor to be your first guest. This is cool. Uh, I'm excited. You know, I'm trying to, I'm out in SEC country, which will now be Oklahoma country as well, starting next That's year. Right. And, you know, trying to do something to get back into, you know, talking sports, which is kind of a passion with this, also talking food. And it's kind of a kind of a, a successful blend, but you know I, I couldn't think of anybody better than you to have on as first because I think everything that you've been able to do and kind of your insight, you know, we we've always had you know really good communication, and, you know, some differences. You know, we joke about the, uh, the the chaos theory, and my wife still laughs. She goes, "Is is Toby the guy?" that you gave the mimosa to down in Texas, and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> accidentally." I'm still to my grave gonna say. That it was accidental, but uh, but let's talk about week one. Oklahoma comes out there uh, after not a not a Oklahoma type season last year, six and seven, and they handled their business seventy three to nothing against Arkansas State. Yeah, before I get to that, uh, I can see why you thought of me when you did a, a podcast about sports and food. Uh, <laughs> me, me or Andy Staples—that's the two people you should think of, but. I definitely know how to eat. I know a lot more about how to eat than I do about <laughs> sports. So, no, I thought uh, you know it was a good start for Oklahoma. Obviously, you got to couch everything with Arkansas State's not a very good football team, but if you play a team that you're supposed to dominate, you need to dominate them, and they did. They beat them seventy-three nothing. Uh, that has not always been the case in the past. Some of these early season games, especially last year where, um, you know, they'd give up, they'd win comfortably, but give up 20-some points, or they would have some uh, penalties or turnovers early on that just look sloppy. There's really not a lot to not like about how Oklahoma played in week one. Um, they The quarterbacks look great. Dylan Gabriel and his backup, Jackson Arnold. Receivers, there's a little bit of concern going into the year that Marvin Mims, is now in the NFL and, and who would be the next go-to guy at receiver. They played well really across the board. Defense pitched a shutout. They tackled well. Really the only point of potential indigestion after that game for Sooner fans was the fact that they only had one sack. But Arkansas State was making a big effort to get rid of the ball quickly, realizing they couldn't hold up against the pass rush. So we'll see. I don't know if that's anything to be worried about yet or not. I think we'll know more this week when they play SMU, who's a, a better team. But for year two for Brent Venables, especially considering how year one went, very good performance. Who was somebody that surprised you with their performance in their first game? Um, 
You know, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but there are a lot. First off, they they really hit the transfer portal hard and did good. They got some difference makers like Desan McCullough, who was the Big Ten freshman of the year last year at Indiana. He's playing linebacker for them. Like Andrell Anthony, a wide receiver from Michigan. Some real difference makers in the portal. Uh, they picked up a really nice defensive end, Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest. They did the unheard of and got a transfer from Oklahoma State in Trace Ford, also on the defensive line. So they did really good in the portal. But one of the storylines of this team, and certainly it was in week one, is how many true freshmen that are making an immediate impact for them. There has been a tick up in recruiting since Venables took over. Now, Lincoln Riley was doing a very good job, but it was pretty offensively weighted under Lincoln Riley. He was getting five-star quarterbacks and receivers and uh, not as good on the defensive side of the ball. Brent has continued to get highly recruited quarterbacks. Jackson Arnold was the number one quarterback in the country, according to ESPN, coming out last year. But he has done, done a significantly better job uh, defensively in recruiting. And you're starting to see that pay off now. Two classes in, they're working on the third one. And some of this talent is making its way onto the field now. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a freshman defensive end named PJ Adabawa out of Kansas City, who's a five star kid, looks really good early on. Another freshman defensive back, Josiah Wagner, Billy or uh, Peyton Bowen. Highly uh, recruited kid, five-star kid out of the Dallas area in the defensive backfield. I got a couple of really highly touted running backs that look good on Saturday. Uh, freshman Caleb Hicks and Daylon Smothers. Um, so really across the board offensively and, and the quarterback. I mean, Jackson Arnold was is Dylan Gabriel's backup this year. He was 11 for 11, had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. So if there was anything surprising, I would say that the kids played as well as they did. I mean, it's it's 85,000 people. It's opening day. Wouldn't blame them if they had some nerves. And you didn't see it. I mean, they looked like seasoned vets. vets. So I think they're going to be able to help them this year, which is a really good sign. How special is what Gavin Freeman is doing? I mean, the young man who comes out and scores his first his first touch last year, does the same thing this year, just weeks after getting put on scholarship. He's a really fun story. Uh, Gavin Freeman is out of Heritage Hall High School, which in Oklahoma City, which is the same high school that Wes Welker came out of. And there's a lot of similarities there. Five foot eight, not recruited hardly at all. Texas Tech, ironically, was interested in him, but kind of gave up on him. Brent Venables brought him in as a walk-on, and he is electric. I mean, he is quick. He has dominated the weight room. He he was a scrawny little kid when he came in, 5'8", buck 40, something like that. He's a beast now, and uh, just a football player, man. I mean, he's just a guy that he's hard. He's a hard cover. Oklahoma's got two little receivers, Drake Stoops and Gavin Freeman. One's 5'8", one's 5'9". Uh, they're, they're similar styles. They're both really tough covers because they're so little and quick. And it puts defenses in a quandary. You know, you can't really put a linebacker on them. 
kind of hard to put a safety on them because they're still quick. So you got to add a another corner to the mix, which messes up everything else. If they play them at the same time, now you've really put defenses in a pickle. So I, if they passed you on the street, you would have no idea they were football players. I mean, but they are. I mean, they are both tough as nails. Obviously, Drake Stoops is Bob's boy, and he's been around since his sixth year now. Gavin Freeman's only in his second year, but had a punt return touchdown this past week. Uh, another touchdown through the air. Just a really fun kid. He's a, he's a legacy. His dad, Jason Freeman, was a, a tight end at Oklahoma. So an easy guy for Sooner fans to cheer for and, and a fun guy because he is so little. When you see him running around out there making plays, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fun to cheer for him. Outside of Oklahoma and what they did week one, was there anything that surprised you from the full week one slate of games? I mean, I couldn't have been more wrong about Colorado. I thought Dion was going to get smashed by TCU. I thought he didn't know what he was doing, and and uh, they look great. He's got a receipt so for you. Major apologies to Dion. Yeah, he's going to let us all hear about it. Um, I thought I wasn't surprised that Florida State beat LSU. I was surprised they did it as handily as they did. I got them in the playoffs. Really this good year. win. I got they're a playoff yeah, I, team for me. That that looks like a good pick. We saw them in the Cheez-It Bowl last year. Uh, that was a good football game in that same stadium. Florida State won it, but it w- went right to the wire. Um, not a great opening weekend for the Big 12. The final year in the Big 12 for OU. Uh, Baylor got beat at home by Texas State. That was a shocker. West Virginia lost at Penn State. Not surprising, but but still a, a loss. Uh, mentioned the TCU loss. Uh, there's a fourth Big 12 team that I'm not remembering right now that got beat on opening day as well. Uh, but I got Texas and Oklahoma State. That's right. Texas Tech lost. Texas Tech did a lot of thumping their chest in the offseason about how good they were this year. And then they went and lost their opener at Wyoming in double overtime. I didn't think Texas or OSU looked very good in their opener. Now, you know, there's a long ways to go. Teams get better. But kind of an ugly week one for the Big 12. The SEC had. LSU, South Carolina, um, and Florida all took it on the chin in week one. So, yeah, there were some surprises out there, none bigger than Colorado in my mind. Travis Hunter obviously put himself into, I would say, you you don't want to give the Heisman out week one, but not since Charles Woodson, the number of snaps and the level of his play. you know, And people forget, you talk about recruiting, he was one of the top players, if not the top player coming out that year, decided to go – to Jackson State with Dion, and he he put it out on the field against a Division One team. His first game out there, he's amazing. I'm going to be uh, fascinated to see if they can keep playing him that many snaps for the entire season. Um, I know he's done it before. I'm just at, at this level. It'll be interesting to see health wise if he can hold up or not. Right. But if he can, and he keeps playing like he did Saturday, he's winning the Heisman. I mean right. that's. That's a remarkable feat, and uh, they, he needs Colorado to have a good season, and, but they're certainly off to a good start. Well, That's crazy. just unheard of. It's crazy. Next week, you know, we're around the same age. We remember Nebraska-Colorado, how big that game was, sure. and that coming back in Boulder, the crowd's going to be crazy. And people, they're talking about Shador, what he did, Travis, but Dion's other kid, Shiloh, led the team in tackles. Yeah. So, I mean, he, now, if, he's having a good told one. You, like, Five years ago, 
if you had said, uh, hey, Colorado and Nebraska are going to renew their series. Oh, that's cool. Good. I remember they had some, you know, the the Bill McCartney days back when Colorado was was a great and Tom Osborne and even into uh, Frank Solich era. Boy, those two teams. It was always the Big 12 North was on the line every time they played. I but if I said, play. yeah, they're going to meet. They're going to meet in five years, and the head coaches are going to be Matt Rule and <laughs> Deion Sanders. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch the game now. No, I, the, the play I remember is the uh, the daring Hagen JJ Flanagan pitch halfway down the field. I'm just uh, you know, you you want to keep that pitch discipline, and and they kept it. It was, it was an amazing play. Back Colorado up, had some dudes man, oh, back in the that, day. Willem McGinnis. I mean, like some of the guys that were there, they were just they were nasty. Back to Oklahoma, look ahead, Rhett Lashley, SMU coming in. Obviously going to be a bigger test for this Oklahoma defense. Yeah, for sure. They know what they're doing on offense. This will be one of the best offenses Oklahoma faces this year. Uh, Preston Stone, their quarterback, they picked up some really good transfer running backs, one of them out of Miami. Their skill position talent's good. It's uh, power five ready. You know, they're headed to the ACC next year. We'll see what they are in the trenches. I think that's a question. I think that's a, a place Oklahoma might be able to take advantage of them. Uh, both of these defenses looked good in week one. Oklahoma obviously had the shutout. SMU only allowed 28 yards rushing to Louisiana Tech. But both of them didn't face offenses like they're going to see this week. Both offenses want to go at breakneck speed. So it sets up to be a high scoring fun football game i'm really eager to see what the we believe to be very improved oklahoma defense looks like against a legitimate offense i'm not here to tell you that smu is tennessee or you know one of the elite offenses in the country but they're pretty good they know what they're doing on offense rhett lashley is a well-respected offensive mind He's got a good quarterback, good skill position, guys, and it's a significant step up from the team Oklahoma faced in week one. So I do think we'll get a better barometer of how much, if the Oklahoma defense hasn't improved in 2023 this Saturday. Should be fun. A couple more questions. We talked about the change. The whole landscape is changing. Oklahoma, Texas coming to the SEC. Of course, I'm extremely happy about it now because – you know, I, I've joked, I'm literally being in Birmingham. I'm a four hour drive to everything. I mean, I, it, ah. it's four and a half hours to LSU. It's, you know, an hour and a half to the Grove in Oxford. I can't, you know, next year coming to Oxford, coming to Auburn, I get to be down there. You as a sports fan. I'm going to be seeing you everywhere. I'm going to be uh, everywhere. I mean, football, basketball, baseball. Uh, I've already reached out to uh, to JT Gasso and told, told him I'm going to see you there, you know, for <laughs> softball coming out there. But what are as a sports fan, a broadcaster, what are you looking forward to with the move to the SEC? Oh, everything, man. Everything. It's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun. You know, the the hard part has been we've known about this for four years now, and it's just taken forever to get here. So I'm a little jealous of these these schools this summer that are that just found out they're moving conferences and they get to do it immediately. Um, I have fond memories of the Big 12. I, I, I have friends who I'm going to be leaving behind, other broadcasters in this conference who I'm going to miss dearly, not seeing every year. 
And certainly I grew up on the rivalries that are in this conference that I'm going to miss going to Fog Allen Fieldhouse and Bedlam in football and all those, you know, Hilton Coliseum for basketball in Ames, Iowa is a great place. I've enjoyed Morgantown, West Virginia. I think it's a lot of fun up there. But, I mean, the SEC is the SEC. And one, in my job, it presents a whole new landscape of places to visit. At the very minimum, I get to go to Oxford, Tuscaloosa, the Swamp, Baton Rouge. We've been to Knoxville, but it was such a great experience. I can't wait to get back. All of these legendary traditional SEC outposts in all sports. I can't wait to see them. I can't wait to call games there to see what these great environments are like. I can't wait for our fans to get to travel to new and exciting locations. I can't wait for SEC fans to get to come to Norman. We put on a good show in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, and very hospitable. We have thoroughly enjoyed having Alabama and Tennessee and Ohio State and Notre Dame and some of these great fan bases in the last decade or so visit Norman and roll out the red carpet. And for all of our new SEC uh, conference mates to get to come to Norman over the next four years, it's going to be great. It's going to be great to host them. We got Tennessee coming to town next year, uh, Alabama coming to town next year, South Carolina and Shane Beamer coming to town next year. So that's going to be cool. I think, you know, Oklahoma is a blue blood football program. They, uh, they're on that Knights of the Round Table, you know, the bluest of the blues. Alabama, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Ohio State. It's a small list of the elite of the elite in college football through the years. And now to get to challenge themselves week in and week out in the toughest conference in America is going to be a treat. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be a treat. And beyond just football, which I know everybody's focused on, huge college baseball thing. And I am almost as excited, maybe even more so, about playing baseball in the SEC as anything, because those stadiums you guys have are ridiculous. Uh, you know, both Mississippi schools, we've been to the box in Baton Rouge for a super regional a few years back. Uh, we've been to South Carolina. That's amazing. Vanderbilt, Florida, on and on and on. Across the board, Le Lexington for basketball, Arkansas for basketball and baseball. I mean, it's just going to be tremendous, and uh, I can't wait. I really – July 1st of 2024, can't get here fast enough. Well, I'll tell you this. For the and I get to see my friend Chris Joseph for, a lot more often. For the baseball tournament, when you come out to Hoover, just get ready. Oh, yeah? And they, You know, you and I used to go all the time. And obviously, you yeah. doing the play-by-play -play when they had the Big 12 baseball tournament down in Oklahoma City, and I thought a big mistake sure. they made was moving it to the bigger ballpark. Arlington, yeah. The SEC, <laughs> it's just, it's different. I mean, there's a, the large parking structure at the Hoover Met with RVs, like it's an RV city. It is, I mean, it is a spectacle, the SEC baseball tournament at the Hoover Met. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's about five minutes away from my house. So uh, at least one night while we're there, dinner's on me, you know. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll, show, I'll, show, I'll show you around wait. here. I'll show you. I, Nashville, 
Nashville for the for the SEC basketball tournament. I mean, one of the great towns in America. I can't wait to go to that. Uh, all of it. It's all makes me giddy. I will say I was a little disappointed when I found out the first big tw- uh, the SEC media day involving Oklahoma and Texas was not going to be in Nashville or Birmingham. That is going to be in Dallas. I was like, come on. Come on. It's usually hell here in Hoover. I go to Dallas all the time. Dallas is nothing special to us. Let's go somewhere cool that we've never been. So I'm right there with you. Last thing, you know, with this podcast, I talk about sports and food. You and I have always, we've talked about sports and food quite a bit. In your travels, what is the best thing you've ever ate? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to give you two answers. There is an Italian place in Kansas City called Garozos that uh, we go to every year. We go to Kansas City for the Big 12 basketball tournament, at least then, if not other times throughout the year when we're in Kansas City. I don't know. I don't know if it's the ambiance. It's always dark in there. It always feels like maybe something shady is going down around the corner. It's it is unbelievably authentic delicious italian food so that's that's one of my places the other was in syracuse new york we were uh in the sweet 16 yeah buddy heald's junior year and they played michigan state in the carrier dome and now our athletic director joe castiglione is a big diner guy and so he and I, when we travel together, always try to find diners. Obviously, we've got them all memorized that we love in the Big 12. But beyond that, you know, he'll ask opposing athletic directors or media members, whoever, where's the best place to eat? So we got this uh, recommendation. I believe the place was called Mama's House. But it was, I mean, most of them don't look like anything from the outside. And this one didn't either. We rolled up. And uh, they had pancakes the size of flying saucers. It was the most unbelievable breakfast I've ever had in my life. Unfortunately, we've never had any reason to go back to Syracuse since then. And maybe I won't again. Maybe that's why I remember it so fondly, because it's the one time I've ever been there in my life. But I would say Mama's House in Syracuse and Garozo's in Kansas City. Quick thought, those rank really high, if not at the very top of my list. Good, good choices. Now good. I'm going to need your help in the SEC. Uh, that's what okay? I'm here for. I mean, I, I, I know I've been to quite a few of them. Like I'm, I'm excited for Oklahoma fans to see the Grove. Um, you know, I was listening to the show this morning, and y'all talking about the tailgating. When you get to the Grove and you see tents with chandeliers, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a different ball game out there, and it's, it's a beautiful sight. Um, my sister and brother-in-law, they have an RV. They stay down there at Auburn. So getting to see the Auburn, you know, experience there, the the Eagle Fly. It's I'm excited for you guys to see it. I'm excited for I'm mad for at Auburn it. already. <laughs> I'm mad at Auburn already. Why is that? Uh, the, their radio booth might be the worst in the country. Uh, the <laughs> the radio. I, we played Auburn in basketball. Yes. Two seasons ago and got kicked, but we did a uh, uh, facilities tour while we were there. And um, they took us over to the football stadium, which is awesome, beautiful. But I said, can I see the visiting radio booth? And it is in the end zone. Oh. Uh, it's it's in the end zone. It's not like kind of in the corner. No, it's like behind the goalpost in the end zone. 
So you're, you know, you've called games before. Like there's no way to know what yard line the ball when it's on the other side of the 50 is on. So I'm, I've already got a bad attitude toward Auburn. Well, I know you do the best you can, Toby. I appreciate you coming on and uh, being the first guest here on the Sports Bite Podcast. Hopefully we can get you on towards bowl game season, you know, get you in for basketball, baseball, and like I said, anything, any information you need on where to go in SEC country, I, I, I got you. You're my man. Thanks, Chris. I, I appreciate, appreciate it. Talk it. to you soon. Thanks, T. Thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food for your ears, and I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouthwatering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.